name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, it was read in your hearing. I'm going to read it again for those who may have come in about five minutes late. Starting at verse 11, reading down to the 14th verse. And then after I read that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm only going to be able to freestyle as much as I possibly can because this is such an intense topic that I had to pull out a couple of notes. Amen. But God's going to have his way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 to the 14th verse says, And whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, and whom also trust each trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after you have believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest expectation, come on, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the praise of his Glory. Now, if you would go with me over to Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 17 through 18. It says, And if children, then ears, ears of God, and joint ears with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the check has been signed. The check has been signed. We are in Ephesians. We've been talking about Ephesians. And last week we talked about some of the blessings of our foundation being in Christ. And what we have, he said in verse 3, that we are blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we're talking about blessings that we have that are not physical blessings, but spiritual blessings. Because if we can get our spirit rooted, our flesh won't throw us in for a loop. If you're waiting for cars and women and money and jewelry and houses and land, uh, then, 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 then you have a wrong mentality and because those things pass away, right? We all had women that we thank God we don't got. We all had men that we wish for that we're glad they're gone. We all had cars that were nice and shiny on day one. And then when that bill came, Lord have mercy. You ain't going to say nothing. There have been many a people that confess that God has blessed them with something only to get it repossessed. Let me help you. God never takes back what he gives. And a lot of times, because we want to keep up with the Joneses, we want to look blessed, but we are in fact broken. I said broken and broke. You ain't gonna say nothing. Broken and broke. Now you can be broken and not be broke. But to be broken and broke is a bad situation. 
We don't want to look blessed. We want to know we are blessed. And we want to understand that nothing that comes against us can take away our blessing. When you understand that you are blessed with spiritual blessings, there's nothing in your life that you can look at to say that was a curse because you know you are blessed. You ain't going to say nothing. I'm preaching already. Which lets me understand that even when you was addicted, even when you was struggling, even when you was down and out, even when, because the Bible says before you were in your mother's womb, he had already blessed us. So I'm already blessed. Blessings chase the blessed. Catch it. So it's a spiritual blessing, and we thank God for that. We understood last week, if you weren't here, um, that we are chosen, and that's good, that we are chosen, that we are called out, that we are different, that we are blessed. We got all these. We have been redeemed. We got grace. We got glorious grace. We are. We got it going. Tap your neighbor and say, you got it going on. You got it going on. And he, he said spiritual blessings, but now we're at verse 11, and look. He's not talking about a blessing. He's talking about an inheritance. He moves from telling us that we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Then he says we have obtained. He uses the past tense. He's telling us we already have it. He said, you have an inheritance. Now, we just read in Romans that we are joint heirs with Christ. So let me just break it down just a little bit because this ain't going to be very deep. I'm going to go right into it and we're going to hear what God tells us. A joint heir is a person who shares with another or others the right to inherit a person's money, property, title when that person dies. Right? He said, we have obtained an inheritance, but this inheritance, we got to get this now. I, I know it's hard to preach to this demographic in our culture because a lot of people have not really understood the value of an inheritance. We understand in the Bible, when you look at Genesis, how Jacob, right? No, Esau sold his birthright, his inheritance for a bowl of soup. And we have a lot of people selling their inheritance for a bowl of soup because they rather feed their flesh for the immediate gratification rather than wait for the real blessing you're not gonna say nothing so and a lot of times our pen our families they haven't left us with anything but debt uh, and, and next level we're not gonna be raising a generation of young black white latino and whatever ethnicity that god wants to send in here uh, uh, a nation and a generation of ignorant people who have who got rims but no insurance? <laughs> you ain't gonna say nothing. That, that have kids, no will. So we got to understand the importance because when we die, we don't want to leave dead. We don't want to leave family members wondering what they're going to do with us when they're gone. And families fight over inheritances, the lack of or the more of. You're not going to say nothing. And if you don't understand this, it's got to be written in the will what is going to happen, what you desire, where things are going to go. Otherwise, you and your sister will be fighting not because of what mommy left, but what because she left and didn't leave. Whoa. But God says we have obtained an inheritance. Now, this here inheritance is not physical because he lets us know that Ephesians is the spiritual covenant. In the Old Testament, you would have had to go watch the tape. The Old Testament, he had left the covenant was a physical covenant. He told Joshua he had left them land. He said, I left you land and territory. Every place your foot tread, I have given to you. The promise, the inheritance in the Old 
Old Testament was a land that flows with milk and honey. But Jesus didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it, which means we still have a land flowing with milk and honey. But there is a better and a new covenant and inheritance, that peace that has been added. And the inheritance that he is talking about here, since it is spiritual, people of God, cannot be anything physical. So what does it have to be? He is talking about heaven. Our inheritance is heaven. And people don't really understand heaven unless they understand hell. Hell is real. Hell is not going to be a party. Hell is going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is eternal separation from light. Hell is complete and utter darkness. It is the absence. Hell hell is the absence of God. That's why when you're going in it as it is in the spiritual, so it is in the physical. That's why in your life, when all hell is breaking loose, it is because there is no light. You are in a dark place. There, there is no truth. Or there is truth that is blinded by the darkness. Ooh. Hell, you don't want to be, could you imagine being separated eternally from God? So he says, no, there's a heaven. Now, if there wasn't a heaven, where would Jesus be? I don't even want to think about that, but, but do I got believers in here? Do anybody in here not believe in hell? Okay, thank you. It's very hard. It's a very hard doctrine to teach without being, without feeling the, the pain of people who don't know. God, just imagine your life without light coming into it. Where would you be? Think think about how the addiction would have tore you up. Think about how the suicide would have won. Think about how the depression would have took you over. Just think about if somebody and nobody came in and put light in a dark situation. There are some in here right now who think it's dark in their life, but I'm here to help you and let you know that it is not bad bad enough for God not to be good enough. I'm about to help somebody. So he says, we have obtained an inheritance, which means heaven is already sealed. Heaven is already our home. He said, we are already seated with him in heavenly places. I told you last week, we have two addresses, one that's in heaven and one that's here on earth. I reside in heaven, but I occupy earth. I live in heaven, but I occupy earth. People who do not live in heaven live in an atmosphere where they allow situations and circumstances to rule their life because they don't live in heaven. If you know, you're not going to say that. If you know that this earth is not your home, that you are just passing few. If you just, see, if you just went to anybody's funeral, you know that you're not going to live forever, that there's going to come a time in your life. No man know the day or the hour that you will close your eyes and be, y'all not going to say and have to give an account for the things that you have done in your body here on earth. So he says, listen, people of God, you have obtained an inheritance, cannot fade away, cannot perish, where there is no sickness. Ooh, where it's wonderful, but here's the catch. Let's go to work. He said, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He said, I've already sealed heaven for you, but there's some stuff that you have to go through here, but don't get worried about it. I've already planned it out. He said, I've already worked all things according to my will. Now, I'm going to sit here for a minute because there are some who don't understand that the very family that you have been placed in was ordained by God. Some who don't understand that the, the things you like, God already knew. The, 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 pre, the, the, the things that will attract you, God already knew. Matter of fact, he designed it so you would be attracted to that. 
because he understood that your attraction is part of the way that God leads you through life. I'm preaching to young people. This is Youth Sunday, so I'm going to try to make it as easy for Steve to understand and as high as an educated Andrew can understand. You better help me up in here. So he he lets us know that he uh, purposed him who worketh everything for the good. All things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We already established we've been called. Some of us have been chosen, which means I don't need to complain. You got them people in your life, and it might not be you, but it's somebody you know. It's somebody in your family who can't get over what was done to them in their childhood. How bad it may be. It could have been as bad as rape. As bad as adoption. We oh, don't forget. I, I, I ain't forget. I got the young people that's going to talk about people who've been adopted. I almost did, but I, 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 it just came right back. People that have been adopted, been, been put aside because your mama didn't want you. Your daddy didn't want you. Some who don't understand it, they think that life has dealt them a bad hand. That, why I don't have the type of relationship I would like to have with my brothers, with, with my sisters. Why, why are things? the way they are in my life. Why am I dealing with this sickness? Why am I dealing with this illness? Why did I have to go through a divorce? Why am I, is my money messed up? Why is uh, my job always attacking me? Why does it look like things are always coming at me? You're not going to say nothing, but I'm going to stay right here until I step on your feet. It's because God, you have to understand that God works all things according to the purpose of his will. He knows it. Even though you can't understand it, he knows it. And there's nothing too hard for God that he can't fix. And if you can go ahead and allow God to come in and heal you from the pain of your childhood, I'm so sick and tired. Um, I, I really am. I, I spend most of my pastor career trying to minister to old folk with a 13-year-old problem. It's, it's trying to grow up people who are 40 still stuck at 13. You're not going to say nothing. <laughs> And, and you don't want to be rude, but sometimes you just want to say, get over it. Yeah. Tap your neighbor and say, get over it. Yeah. Because you can't reign and rule in something you can get over. You cannot be, if you are tied up in a situation, you can't be free. And it'll keep you in a place where you're either trying to please people, trying to make people happy. You need people to validate you, people to go ahead and say it's okay, people to pat you on your back. I don't need, the Bible says, encourage your Let me stop before I break this. Hey, encourage yourself. Get in your word. Say, I am the head and not the tail. Get in your word and say, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Get in the word and say, I can do all things through Christ. Get in the word and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Get in the word and say, my God shall supply all my needs. Get in the word. You got to get in the will, in the inheritance, so you can understand when people come at you and try to tell you who you are. No, you can't give me my identity. I already know I'm blessed highly favored and I have an inheritance and that though I can't understand it if God be for me who can be against me what shall I say to these things that come shall trouble or persecution or that y'all not gonna say nothing I, you gotta learn I see I don't need no people I, I talked to my pastor this morning and he said everybody's going through something and sometimes you got people who want to come to you at the we're in the battle but you don't even know if they ready to fight they they so stuck up in they so and he said sometimes I just want to stab them and go ahead and kill them so at least I ain't got to worry about them and I can go ahead and focus on the fight. You got to understand that when you know who you are and people try to come around you, that sometimes you don't need nobody around you that's going to be dragging you back and holding you back when you know it. Because I want to tell you, like Job's friends, 
It must be something he did. He, he must got something going on. It must. That's why all this stuff is happening. To, to you know, you got the friends that want to come in and they want to diagnose your issue, but don't want to take the pills for theirs. I'm preaching up in here. They want, they want to give you a prescription for your drama, but they got drama all up in their life. They they want to tell you how you should work with in your marriage, but their marriage is jack. They want to tell you how to raise your kids, but they ain't got no kids. Y'all not gonna say nothing. So he says, I want you to know that God's working it out according to his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now catch this. I'm almost done. He said, first you had to trust him. Now we got some trust issues. Some of you don't trust the person you sit next to. But how are we going to trust God we don't see? He says, first you trust it. Verse 13, in whom also, in whom ye also trust it. How many could be honest and say they got trust issues? Because people are funny. Like they could be your ride or die today, but let something pop off. Now you don't trust them with all this information. That's why it's hard to be a leader. Because there's only certain places and people that you can talk to. If you're a leader and don't know how to hold stuff, you're in trouble. Because everybody ain't qualified to handle your, your stuff. The reason why some of you got real big trust issues is because you've been trusting the wrong people. You can't hold nothing. And social media has made everybody a star of drama. So you go ahead and you post stuff. You post, God is good, I love the Lord. And then the next post is, all y'all go to hell. You got posts where you shouting and giving God glory and laid out, prayer shawl and all. Next post, you keep scrolling, you got Hennessy in your hand. You confused. I ain't saying there's nothing wrong with Hennessy. I'm saying there's something wrong with you. And so we don't have trust issues, but why do why should I have to trust you when you got all your stuff out there anyway? And you want to get mad at me for telling the people who can help you about your issue, but it's on Facebook. Everybody know you crazy. You are on IG with no IQ. I'm going to go ahead. You can post that. <laughs> Tweet that. How about an IQ before IG? Preach. Come on, preach, pastor. But he said you trusted after you heard the word of truth. You can't trust until you hear the word of truth. What you've been hearing is the word of a lie. And that's why you can't trust. If you're going to trust, you can only trust after you hear the word of truth. <laughs> I got to do all the window now. I got to close my eyes. After you heard, the Bible says, he who has an ear to hear, let us hear. Everybody touch your ears. There is nobody in this congregation at this moment that does not have an ear. Some of you got pretty ears. Some of you got diamonds in your ear. Some of you got loops. Some of you got, they're just all decorated. Pretty nice ears. But everybody got an ear, but everybody ain't hearing. Yeah. 
because your ear becomes so ugly when you can't receive truth. Your ear cusses out truth. Somebody tell you about yourself. You don't hear that. You don't hear that. You hear God telling you stuff about everybody else. But you can't hear about you. Why is everything a lie when it deals with you? But I don't want to hear the truth. Let me testify. I, I had church. I know, I know the church people. I know my family and the church people that were praying for me when I was in the grips of my crack addiction. And I thank God for the prayers of the righteous because they availed much. But church folk could be phony. Because they could be praying for you and at the same time cussing you. They could be praying, but, but stay over there while I pray for you. I don't want to deal with you. I'll pray for you. That's biblical because that's what they did when Peter was locked up. They was having a bona fide lock-in service. Praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the door and they was they was lying. That ain't Peter. They didn't even want to open the door. Because people will pray for you as long as they ain't got to open the door. Oh my God. But I had people and people were afraid. You got the power. Not everybody. I had a couple of them, but the most would be afraid. Because they don't know what Dre gonna do. Y'all not gonna say nothing. Keep looking straight ahead. No, who that? Who that out the window? He just walk up there. Don't even act. Don't try to act like they ain't even home. They, they, I had my own father look out the window and not open the door. You ain't gonna say nothing. I seen him up there. I just keep knocking and ringing. I know you in there. <laughs> he might as well just throw me some money out and I leave. But I had people on the street who were more real and true with me than church folk. I had people from my block, when I would go to try to buy dope, they would say, Dre, we ain't even serving you. You need to get some help. I'm praying for you. When you got drug dealers holding prayer meetings, you know this. You got to hear the word of truth. You got to be willing to hear about you. You got to be willing to hear what the truth of God's word and read his word and see if it lines up with what's going on in your head. Because we are supposed to be transformed into his image. So if there's anything going on and this ain't religion, this relationship. This relationship. God said, I'm not into domestic violence. He's not going to beat you up to make you listen. He wants you to hear what the word is saying. Somebody say, get the air. Somebody, God, let me hear. Let me hear. Let me hear. And stop calling it judgment. You judging me. Who are you? God's mouthpiece to tell you you crazy. Listen. He used the donkey. Yo, you don't want to hear the word of truth? I'll let this jackass talk to you. Fill a cussing spirit. That's in the Bible. Jackass. Some of you won't hear from your pastor, but you'll listen to a jackass. After you heard the word of truth, watch this, the gospel of your salvation. That truth, that gospel is the key to your deliverance. There is a word for your situation. One word could change your whole life. This could be that word. One word. 
the gospel, the truth. The gospel is good news. The good news of your deliverance. That's what it means. There's good news that you can be delivered. So he said, you had to hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after you believed. Now, catch this. I trust that's a cheer. My illustration for the day. I trust that's a cheer. How many people trust that's a cheer? You trust that you're in a chair. That's trust. I can trust that that's a chair because it looks like a chair. It's built like a chair. It has all the identification of a chair. I trust it, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it until I sit in it. If I was to fall when I sat in it, I would no longer trust or believe. Because I would know that even though it looked like a chair, it was built like a chair. When I sat in it, it didn't function like a chair. When you hear the word of truth, God knows you trust it after you believe it. He knows you believe it if you put it to action in your life. Belief is an action word. A lot of people say they trust God, but they don't believe him. Because if you believed him, you would not. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of truth to you, get you to hear the word of truth, trust God, and have you operating in it. So then that your faith is being established. Now that's, that's powerful. That's powerful because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So if I don't, if I don't do something, I'm not really telling God I believe him. See, y'all believe God's going to do something. That's why for two weeks we've been pushing and encouraging everybody to get in the house. And now you are trusting. And I believe that you trust and heard the word of truth because it looks like you believed what I said and you are here. We've been saying the names of people that we have been missing for the last two weeks. And last week, one sister popped in here. And this week, both of them up in here. You're not going to say nothing. We trust, we speak, we believe. See, that's the problem. And it increases our faith to let us say that. I know that when I speak something, God is going to move in that thing. And so, so we, we trust and we believe. Now, let me close this wonderful thing out because I see you getting tired and you might still got stuff waiting you before that Sunday dinner. Because here's the thing. I didn't forget what I, what I was preaching about. We got the inheritance. It's a spiritual inheritance. It's heaven. It's ours. We got the word. We trust it. We are operating in the word. We believe. Then he says this. Once all that's in place, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of his glory. A can of soda, you buy it, that's redeemed. That you brought it, you paid for it. You don't redeem it until it's empty. He brought us, he filled us, he pours us out. He brought us, he fills us, he pours us out. And then he redeems us back to heaven because he paid for it. He did, he did it all. But in between all that, you want to know how it's yours? It's only yours when you see that the check has been signed. I'm looking at a bunch of signed checks up in this church this morning. Because he said the Holy Spirit is the signature that he puts on every believer to let them know that it's ours. Whew. 
Somebody say the check has been signed. Come on, Christian, we about to have some church up in here. Cause people gonna go to run and hold that door, Kelly. Uh huh. They gonna try to get up out of here. It's been signed. He said you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now. If you have the Holy Spirit, it means it is God's signature on your life that you belong to him. And because it's been signed, the inheritance is yours because you are a joint heir with Christ, which means that everything that Christ has and has had, it belongs to you because the check has been signed. Y'all not going to say nothing. See, the Bible talks about this. Oh, my God. Let me help myself. Let me help myself. It talks about it in John 6, 44, right? It talks about how the spirit draws us. He says, you can't come to God except the spirit draw you right he said he he said except the spirit draw you you, you can only come if he draw you. Now, I'm going to get a little deep right here. Hey, stay with me, Deacon Val. Stay with me. Stay with me. It said, except the spirit draw you. That is a legal term. It is, it is not just the fact that he pulls us through the navigation of life, but that term draw is a legal term. It's to draw up a document. You're not going to say nothing. When people draw, when your attorney draws up some certain things, when the inheritance is drawn up. So the Bible says that God, people can't come to God, except the Holy Spirit draw him. Y'all not going to say nothing. Okay, let me go a little further with that thought. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 16, that he was going to no longer write his law on the tablets of stone, but he would write it on the hearts of men. He said, I'm going to write this law in your heart. That, how does he do that? He does that by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit writes in your conscience and in your heart the things that pertain to God. That's why you knew that you had to come here today. It wasn't your choice. It was because the Holy Spirit had already drew out this day before the foundation of the world. And he had already written in your heart that you belong to God. No matter what you were in, you had something that was drawing you because it had already drew you. I'm trying to help you up in here. That's why if you look in Daniel, also the Holy Spirit, he had to look and there was handwriting on the wall. Well, who wrote? on the wall. It was the hand of God. It was the Holy Spirit that wrote on the wall. Y'all better help me. Oh, let me go a little further for you. It says that this New Testament, he said, holy men by the Spirit of God wrote down every word that God has spoke. I'm trying to get you to see something. That the Holy Spirit is God's pen. It is God's pen. It is where he writes and signs everything. That's why when you get yourself caught up in a situation. Your attorney, your advocate, your high priest sits in heaven and says, wait a minute, let me pull out the documents that were drew up over your life. And it says here that crack cannot hold them. The check has already been signed. It said depression could not hold them. The check has already been signed. It said lack cannot keep them. The check has already been signed. Somebody say, the check has been signed. Whatever you need, whatever your situation, whatever your dilemma, whatever you're caught up in, whatever your struggle, whatever your downfall, whatever it is, God said, I've already signed the check for that. You don't have to pay for it. I already paid for it in full. Somebody say it's signed. It's signed. But the problem with the church is we are too afraid to go to the bank and to go to heaven's ATM and say, oh, what do I need? Because you want to act like you got it, but you ain't been to heaven's ATM. You ain't put it in. You got to put it in in order to pull it out. Somebody say put it in. You got to put it in in order to pull it out. That's why the devil is banking on the fact that you don't know your God. The Bible says those that know their God shall do. The reason why you can do is because you know. You can spin when you know it's in the bank account. You can walk and declare 
when you know it's in the bank account. You can say it's mine when you know it's in the bank account. You can declare and decree no devil in hell over this generation, over my children, over my health, over my finances, over my marriage, because you know the check is signed. Jesus said, I paid for it. I paid it all. Oh, let me go ahead and drop it on you. He said, we are joint heirs, and the only way we can access our inheritance is if the true heir dies. And the reason why they talk about death is because they didn't have a clause for life. It said you can only get it if the one dies. But it didn't say nothing about we couldn't have it if he was still living. It was just that he had to die. But they didn't make on the fact that though he died, he got back up. So death is only a door to let us access what is ours. So he died. Let you spend it. Sit back, got back up. Watch you sp- And that's why we don't got to die. Jesus said, I already did that. Said, if I don't go to the Father, I can't sign the check. If I don't, if I don't depart, you're gonna have an open check with no signature. But when I go up to heaven, I'll send back the pen. And he's going to write everything that I declare in your life. Somebody say it is written. So let it be written. So let it be done. It is written that if I am healed by his stripes, so let it be done. It is written that I am the head and not the tail, above and not belief. So let it be done. It is written that no devil in hell, no chains, no addiction, no denomination, no demon, no struggle, no mental illness, nothing can hold me. It's been signed. You better go ahead. So let it be written. So let it be done. He said, the power of life and death is in your tongue. You go in your house, you speak over your children. You go in your house, you speak over your children. Speak over every part of their life. You don't wait for them to date to start praying for their wife. We've been praying for our children's spouses since they were born. Let them love God. Let them serve God. Let them recognize. Let them not give up. Let them not surrender. Let them know who they are. And even if they do mess up, put them back on the course. Like that prodigal son. You're not going to say nothing. You're not going to say, let me go ahead and talk to my daughter. Sister Alexis, God said, thank God for you. Don't let nothing bring you down. You are not a failure. You are a blessing. God's got you. God's got you. God said, you got to understand who you are and whose you are. And we don't look at nobody sideways. God better help me because God is still in control. And no matter what, you stay connected to the vine, the blessings, Gonna flow. You ain't gonna say nothing. My mama had me out of wedlock. My mama, some of y'all, most of y'all mamas had a, had babies before you were married. But look at God. God's gonna turn it around. God's gonna work it out. God's gonna make it because it is all according to the purpose of His will. You got to learn to shut the devil up when they wanna come in your life. Look at you sideways. Like you ain't gonna say nothing. God ain't raising no perfect people. We all got issues. We all got struggles. We all got things that we trying to get through. That's why I say God is good all the time. Great grace, great mercy, great love, great. It's in the inheritance.
gonna open up the doors of the church. Some of you walking around here with a fake signature. Forged checks. God said, get that right. You belong to him. You owe no man, you owe him. He's been good to you. He knows your darkest places. And he's the only one that got the answer for your situation. It's in your inheritance. Learn about him. You sealed. That's awesome that it's sealed. Y'all know I like them Roman movies and the movies, King movies, where they, they'll write a letter and then they'll pour the ink and they'll stamp it with their seal. That seal, until it's delivered, it, it can't be broken. If it's broken, that could be your life. It, can't nobody open up the letter. Only those who are ordained and are capable to open and break that seal. And Jesus is the one, the only one that can break that seal. He's the only one that knows what's written on the tablet of your life. If you have not received him in your life, if you have never made a public confession that you want him to be the Lord and savior of your life, we open up the doors of the church right now. You come, surrender, say, God, here I am. You might've backslid you. He said he married to the backslider. You come. God, here I am. It is me once again. Hallelujah. If you're watching online, if you're watching on TV, we ask that you, if that's you, you say this prayer. Father God, I am a sinner. I sinned against you. And I believe that Jesus Christ is your son died for my sins and that he rose again pray that he would come into my heart into my life and live his life in me thank you God for saving me you are now a child of the most high you have an inheritance you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light find a Bible-believing church, not a choir-believing church. Entertainment type, you need a Bible-believing, preaching church so that you can learn and hear the word of truth. We thank God for you. Now, briefly, before we close, I want I need, how many did the assignment? How many young people did the assignment? You got the mic still? Who has the mic? Start back there, Brother Deion. We're going to get Brother DeAndre to, to just, to, these are people who've been adopted and did great things. The founder of Apple was one of the richest and most successful people in the world. Even he ain't black. You didn't say he had to be black. It's Black History Month. But we'll take it. Everybody everybody black done brought an apple, so go ahead and read it. I didn't know he was adopted. Go ahead. But he's supposed to be black. Go ahead. Go ahead. Read him. Finish what he did. Say it again. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, was one of the richest and most successful people in the world, even though he was adopted. Amen. Steve Jobs. Okay. Um, send it over here, Brother Corey. You already did something for open mic. Go ahead. We don't need everybody. Just hold it for next week. I had Dante Coop. 
He was um, an NFL player. He helped a lot of children go through a lot of sports and helped them. He plays for the Miami Vikings, and as we speak, he is now 46. Amen. Amen. I did Nelson Mandela. Um, Nelson Mandela was born on July 8, 1918 in Mesa. South Africa. When Nelson was nine years old, his father passed away due to lung disease. He has been an only child with his father and his father's third wife. After the death of Nelson's father, he was then adopted by Chief John Yutaba Dalandaivo, who was an acting regent of Zambu. Nelson became a South African anti-apartheid revolutionary. He was a political leader and first president of South Africa from 1994 through 1999. He was country's first black head of state. Amen. She did a baby essay. That was all right. Hold on to that. You had that for homework one day. Claudette Colvin was adopted by Austin and Mary Granson because her parents weren't able to support her. She was born in Alabama in a poor neighborhood. She wanted to be president one day and got good grades. On March 2nd, 1955, she was riding on a city bus coming home from school when a bus driver told her to give up her seat to a white passenger. Colvin refused and she was arrested at 15 and had some charges against her, but a minister paid for her bail. After that, her parents and Colvin were concerned that night about vengeance. The National Association for colored people wanted to use her case to challenge the segregation laws. But because of her age, they decided to decline. Also, Colvin ended up pregnant and didn't want anything negative against them on a legal statement. And she had a son, Raymond, in 1956. In, Colv in court, Colvin was not guilty. But since the people's opinion on her was negative, it was hard for her to find a job. Colvin moved to New York and had a second son and became a nurse in a nursing home. And she was now focused on Rosa Parks and her experience on the bus. Even though Claudette Colvin wasn't symboled like Rosa Parks of not giving up her seat, she was still one of the people who was trying to end racism at such a young age. She is known for a pioneer 1950s civil rights movement on Black History Month. And she is still here and alive and retired today. Amen. Look at God. All right, everybody else hold theirs for next Sunday. Make sure you come, and then we're going to move through this with the side of the room. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Father God, we thank you for everything that's been said and done. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for our inheritance, our blessings, and that the fact that we've been adopted into your family. We pray that you will cover us as we go throughout this week. Continue to keep um, Ukraine and the crisis on our hearts and our minds and prayers as we watch you move in this situation, as well as our city and these things that are going on as we get ready to walk into these spring months and these summer months. God, keep our children covered. Father God, keep violence down. Help us to spread your name and give us great outlets to witness to those who are lost. Spread us and bring increase in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace.